Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. This morning, we're going to be exploring the importance of authenticity. But before I do, I think we need to get real for a moment. Have you ever had a friend or maybe even worse, a family member offer TMI? Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but for those of you who don't, TMI stands for too much information. TMI comes in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes TMI happens because we've been friends for too long. Sometimes TMI is because we feel safe to be vulnerable, but just happen to, by mistake, share a little bit more than what is helpful. But sometimes TMI is just weird. For instance, I had the recent displeasure of opening my newsfeed on my phone only to discover this very uncomfortable news story from People Magazine that I am now going to share with you. You're welcome. That's right. Arguably one of the biggest pop singers in the world felt the need, nay, I say compelled, to share with the rest of the world that the amount of sweat she experiences in her Spanx means that she suffered from a medical condition known as jock itch. Now, if that isn't TMI, I don't know what is. Now, how in the world could I possibly transition from that? Well, I really have no idea, but let's let's try this. As I've been trying to forget about this news story, I can't help but think about why someone would be driven to share that kind of information with the whole world. And I think at least part of what's going on here is is an expression of our innate desire for authenticity. Did that work? Well, either way, let's keep going. The desire for meaningful and deep and authentic connection is, I think, a universal longing that we all have. In fact, it's not just a longing. It's one of the ways God designed us to be like him. Scripture tells us that God exists in in a trinity of Father, of Son, and of Holy Spirit. He is God three in one. And it's a fundamental relational mystery that's at the core of God's identity. It makes sense then that we who are made in the image of God and who bear the image of this three-in-one God have an innate need for deep, meaningful relationship. We're wired up for it. And, and we feel a void when that relational connection is missing. We're, we're not meant to be alone. The Apostle Paul describes it this way. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We, the whole body of believers, are meant to be joined together so that we can grow together. And during this series, we're talking about cultivating these critical, meaningful relationships, something we're calling next level friendships. Now, just in case anyone here is thinking that we're finally going to get some pastoral advice about how to get out of the friend zone with that special someone, I'm sorry to disappoint. That is not the next level that we're talking about. No, today we're unpacking how to actually deepen friendships below the surface to places of trust, of vulnerability, and of growth. These friendships are meant to help us grow in our relationship with God and each other. 
Now, it's important to note that while we all have a natural longing for these next-level friendships, they don't just happen automatically. They require intentionality. Like we just read, Paul reminds us that in order for us to have these kinds of connections, each part must do its work. So, during the series, we're challenging one another to live out the intentional practices that grow these kinds of next-level friendships. Last week, we learned that next-level friendships start with availability. We have to actually make space in our lives for these friendships if, if we want to truly deepen them. I've personally experienced this kind of growth and friendship in a small group, and, and I can't encourage you enough to take the step of finding and plugging into a small group. But just being present and accounted for isn't all that's really needed to actually deepen next-level friendships. We need to move on from availability to the next practice, which is authenticity. You see, each week in this series, we're looking at a next-level friendship in the Bible as an example for us to follow. And one story of friendship in Scripture that powerfully demonstrates the power of authenticity is the friendship between Jonathan and David. There's a lot of speculation about what drew Jonathan and David to each other. And looking at their story from the outside, it seems like a pretty unlikely friendship. The son of a king and a shepherd boy who is set to take his place as heir to the throne. However, there's a lesser-known story about Jonathan that I think really illustrates why these two men had quite a unique connection. In 1 Samuel 14, before David is even mentioned in the Bible, we find the Israelites in a pretty bad spot. Their king, Saul, Jonathan's dad, hasn't brought the deliverance that they hoped he would. They've suffered devastating losses in battle, and their army is, is a fraction of what it once was. The Israelites are terrified, and they're actually hiding as their enemy advances. One day, King Saul's son, Jonathan, decides he can't sit by any longer. So he says to his armor bearer, let's cross over to the camp of those heathen Philistines. Maybe the Lord will help us. If he does, nothing can keep him from giving us the victory, no matter how few of us there are. So just to clarify here, this is Jonathan's plan. He and his armor bearer will walk right up to the Philistine garrison, and the very garrison that his father and this 600-man army didn't dare challenge. And if the Philistines call out for him and the armor bearer to come on up, that would be a sign from God that victory was theirs, and they would defeat the Philistines on that day. It isn't exactly a strategy from the pages of the art of war, is it? However, when Jonathan and his guy arrive, they get the sign. The Philistines call out, come on up. We have something to tell you. And as Jonathan and his armor bearer attack, there's an earthquake, which makes the Philistines believe there's a huge army attacking them. And in the confusion, they actually begin to fight one another. And the Israelites win the battle that day. And the Philistines, well, they're driven back to their own country. It's really no wonder then that over 15 years later, when Jonathan sees David, march out to fight the giant Goliath, armed only with a small slingshot and, and big trust in God, he feels a connection. In 1 Samuel 18, we read, Jonathan was deeply 
impressed with David, and an immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. It's quite remarkable that Jonathan became David's number one cheerleader. After all, as the current prince of Israel, Jonathan could have resented the fact that God picked David to be the next king, but he didn't. And because of Jonathan's selflessness, a beautiful friendship was forged. Through the following years, we see the authenticity in their friendship deepen as as David openly shares his fears and his struggles with his friend, Jonathan. Meanwhile, King Saul became so intensely jealous of David's victories in battle and his popularity among the people that he actually attempts to kill David on multiple occasions. I mean, think about this. Honestly, how many friendships could thrive or even survive when, when one friend's dad is trying to kill the other friend? I think it might put quite a damper on things, don't you think? Rather than putting up an emotional wall, David chooses to trust and to be vulnerable with his friend. And the beauty of this story is that David's authenticity gives Jonathan the opportunity to meet his friend's need. In one encounter, we read, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan doesn't just pat David on the back and say, it'll be okay, buddy. The text says that he literally strengthened David's hand in God. Jonathan points David back to God's promise and he says, don't forget. Don't you forget. God said you will be the king over Israel. My father's plan to kill you it will not succeed. When we choose to be authentic, we can play that role in each other's lives too. Next level friends, next level friends strengthen each other in the Lord. They stand with one another, even in the midst of discouraging situations. They remind one another of truth when circumstances are are overwhelming and faith is faltering. Several years ago, I was walking through a really difficult season in my life. I was really hurt by someone I cared about. And I found myself starting to really feel down about it. And I was beginning to feel jaded and even bitter. But thankfully, I knew who my Jonathan was. And in this case, it was my Jonathans, plural, a group of other pastor friends of mine who we meet very regularly. They gave me the space to to pour out the entire raw, uncut story to them. And they didn't just offer pleasantries or, or platitudes. They sat with me in my sadness and they sat with me in my disappointment. And they reminded me how known and and unconditionally loved I am by God. And they offered me practical wisdom from their own experience. I found truth. I found help. And I found grace in these next level friendships. And I did take a risk and shared the stuff that wasn't so pretty in my life, that wasn't so pretty in my mind or in my processing. And and because of it, I grew closer to my friends and, and actually I grew closer to God. 
But unfortunately, it doesn't always go that way, does it? Though we long for deep and meaningful connections with one another, we often hide. We hide behind barriers that, that keep us from relating authentically to one another. The barrier might be people-pleasing. Maybe we feel a constant, relentless need to, to please and be liked by others, and it keeps us from speaking up and voicing how we really feel. Perhaps we don't take relational risks because we're afraid of, of disappointing other people. People-pleasers often commit to too much because they find it really hard to say no, which can leave them in a, a sort of constant state of, of feeling overwhelmed. Can you relate to that? Or maybe the barrier is comparison. Does anyone here struggle with comparing yourself to others? You say things to yourself like, she's smarter than me, or, or he's so much more creative than I am, or, or they can do it better than me. When we're constantly comparing ourselves to others, we often feel like we just don't measure up. And those feelings of, of insecurity, those feelings of inadequacy can keep us from being authentic with others because we live in fear that they'll see our shortfalls too. Or maybe it's the barrier of perfectionism. Perfectionists can't make peace with their vulnerabilities. They feel the constant need to strive for perfection, or at least the appearance of perfection. And when we can't accept our imperfections, the last thing that we're going to do is to let the world see our authentic, imperfect self. Or the barrier might be workaholism. Now, I know that one might surprise you. It might seem different than the others, but hear me out. I believe our addiction to work can keep us from living authentically. When we work all the time at our home or in our office, constantly keeping busy, not only can workaholism keep us from being available for relationships, it also can keep us from living authentically. A constant state of doing keeps us from honest self-reflection. And if we don't know ourselves, how can we possibly be our true selves with, with others? See, these are just some of the barriers to authenticity. And there are many more, and they are very real. However, at the core, at the core of all of them is fear. Fear of being vulnerable. Fear of being seen. We were designed for connection, real, authentic connection. Yet our fears, they often get in the way of what we long to experience. So how, how, do we, how do we break through these barriers? Well, we have to make the courageous choice. The courageous choice to be authentic. We need to understand vulnerability it isn't weakness. It's actually strength. Author Brene Brown puts it this way. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. I love that. I just love that quote. Authentic authenticity is the choice to let our true selves be seen. What this doesn't mean is that we just go around spilling our guts to anyone and everyone we meet, like telling a room full of people that you have jock itch, for example. See, the irony is that that kind of indiscretion can, can actually lead to greater disconnection, not connection. 
There are some people who kind of spill their guts in every conversation and they can't understand why they don't experience connection. No, you see, authenticity is about sharing our feelings and our experiences with people who have earned the right to hear them. It's the choice to show up in those friendships and to be real, to let our true selves be seen. An ideal environment for this type of authenticity is what we call a small group. Small groups are simply gatherings of six to 12-ish people. Some meet in churches, some meet in homes, in coffee shops, wherever. But all of them gather for the purpose of doing life together. They provide a context, a context for, for building friendships, for growing spiritually and living out the mission of God together. We will always encourage every person to be connected in a small group. And today is the perfect day for that because we're in the middle of our fall small group signups. And you can learn more about all the small groups offered at Community by just visiting communitychristian.info or by scanning the QR code on the screen. Joining a small group is one of the best decisions that I've ever made. And it's not always easy, but it's absolutely worth it. Once we're connected in the context of a consistent community, let's challenge one another to make the courageous choice. Let's challenge one another to choose authenticity. And I think we can choose authenticity in, in three ways. First, let's challenge each other to choose authentic emotions. Authenticity begins by allowing ourselves to be honest about what we're actually feeling. There will inevitably be times our emotions are something other than what we desire them to be. But ignoring them or pretending that they're something different than they are, it doesn't help anyone. We need to learn to discern and identify what you are actually feeling when you're feeling it. Give yourself the grace to feel things like anger, like sadness, like sorrow and joy. Authenticity starts when you set the intention to be genuine. If we're going to be authentic with others, we have to start by being authentic with ourselves. Second, we need to choose authentic words. Show of hands, um, how many of us have answered, oh, I I'm fine when someone asked you how you were doing, right? Probably most of us. Now, how many of you have ever answered, oh, I, I'm fine when you were, in fact, not fine, right? Uh, of course you have. All of us have. Again, we're not proposing that you pour out all of your deepest, darkest secrets to everyone you interact with on the street, but we need to strive towards being authentic with our words when we're in the context of a safe friendship or community. We need to learn to articulate what's really going on at, at a deeper level, at a, at a heart level. In Galatians 6, Paul instructs us to carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Yet think about this. How can we carry each other's burdens if we don't really know the truth of what is going on in each other's lives? I know this can be difficult to do, but we need to learn how to pay attention to those times when you are insincere in your speech. And then we need to reflect. We need to honestly explore the fears and the beliefs that might create those barriers to authenticity. One exercise you can try with your group is, is this. It's simply by filling in the blank. If you really knew me, you'd know this blank. 
Not only does this question prompt introspection and allow people to reveal important aspects of themselves, it also builds trust. It also builds credibility. It also builds confidence with the person that you're sharing it with. Authenticity sometimes will feel scary, but it also builds intimacy. Lastly, I want to challenge all of us to choose authentic actions. Now, this will look different from person to person, but it's important that we choose authentic actions. Often, we're going to feel like out of sync when we're acting inauthentically. Things just don't feel right. It's important that we pay attention to those hunches, physical sensations, or even impressions. They can be the Holy Spirit actually speaking to you, telling you that you're not being genuine. And when you are on track and when you are authentic, I promise you're going to feel that too. Authenticity may require us to make unpopular decisions or, or to acknowledge aspects of ourselves that we'd, we'd rather hide away. But in the end, it truly allows us to live a more open and honest and engaged life. And ultimately, authenticity will help us grow the deep, meaningful relationships that we were created for. Next level friendships deepen with authenticity. As we do the work of being real with each other, we'll learn to stand with one another, even in the most discouraging of situations. We'll remind one another of truth when circumstances are, are overwhelming or our faith is faltering. We will strengthen one another's hand in the Lord. And ultimately, choosing to live as an authentic person, choosing to live an authentic life, isn't just about living a more fulfilled life. It's about walking in the fullness of who we were created to be. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus. You see, a strong relationship with Jesus is the key. It's the absolute key to true and healthy authenticity. When we find our identity first and foremost in Him and in who He says we are, we're freed from the rat race of, of trying to pretend that we're smarter or funnier or holier or more successful than we really are. In fact, it shifts all of those metrics completely on their head. At the center of the Jesus story is a picture of a God who loves us exactly as we are, not as, as who we pretend to be. And when we learn to live in relation to him, the only way possible, which is as our authentic self, because he doesn't know our fake self, then we can be more fully who God created us to be in relation to everyone else. Behind all the layers and veneers, God sees us fully and calls us his beloved. That is our true self. So be authentically him. Be authentically her. And together, we will become who God created us to be. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.